morning again it's good to see you all here this morning on this beautiful second sunday in january if you were here the first sunday last week um it was a good time to be together and if you're here for the first time on the second sunday it's even a better time to be here because we're here together to worship in the name of the the lord jesus i want to welcome you Thank you for being here. We look forward to worshiping together as we sing together, we read God's Word together, we study God's Word together, and we, we pray together. 
And if you're visiting this morning, just want you to know that we consider you um, our special guest, and we trust you'll enjoy the service as you um, as you interact with us. And hopefully, at this point, someone has made you feel welcome. And if not, um, hopefully they will before you you get out of here. Um, if you are visiting this morning, we'd love to. Uh, just have a record of your visit, and there's a little card in the bulletin called the Connect card. It's a little tan piece of paper. looks just like this. And you can just jot your name and contact information on there, whether it's email or your phone number or address, how you'd like to be communicated with, and we'd love to be in contact with you. Also, if we could uh, pray with you about something, you can just let your prayer request on there, jot it on the back of the card, and just let us know if it's okay to share that over email or if you'd rather us keep that in the church office. Or if you have any questions or just want to find out some information, you can write that on the card, put it in the offering plate when we pass that around in just a couple of moments. I want to highlight a few things before we read from Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning. The first thing, if you didn't notice, they're in the center part of our, our bulletin. As of um, the end of the year, we, um, we not only met, but we went past our goal for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Um, we, so far, $4,852, and yes, you can praise the Lord for that, because all of that Money goes to toward helping our missionaries work um, throughout the world and spreading the gospel. So um, if you have not given that and still wanted to, you can still do that. But I just wanted you to know we have met our goal, so praise the Lord for that, and we are thankful. Um, let me just highlight a few things. Next Sunday, um, we'll be having our fellowship meal right after the worship service. So plan on bringing a dish or two um, to feed your family and to feed someone else, and be sure and understand that that's for everyone anybody can stay so visitors members we want you to stay we want you to have lunch with us it's a time of fellowship um we promise we're not roping you into something there's no um there's no catch it's just a time that we gather together and we fellowship now after that meal we are going to have our quarterly meeting the first one of 2023 and we hope you'll stay for that as well because it's a great way to find out what's going on here at the church things happened in the past year and things that are coming forward in the near future and so that's next Sunday. It's a great time to fellowship. It's a great time to be informed. And um, we hope you'll take time to be a part of that. Between now and then, let me just mention a few things. Um, our students, the youth, will be meeting tonight here at the church, 4 p.m. So if you're um, a student or a family of students, please make note of that. Men's breakfast tomorrow morning, 6.30, Elk Diner. And men, I want you to be a part of that as you're, you're able to enjoy a time of prayer, a time of fellowship, and breakfast together at the Elk Diner. Wednesday, 11 o'clock, an adult Bible study. That's for all ages. Anybody that is welcome, anybody is welcome to attend. It's a time to sing. We study God's Word together. We take time to pray, and we enjoyed lunch. And we are currently, we just started last week, and so you haven't really missed, um, missed much of it. We are going to uh, do a study um, called a, a Good Old Age, just some life principles from A to Z that are important um, for everyone in every stage of life, but as we all increasingly get older, they become more important. Qualities of the Christian that are important and also um, help us as we mature together. So I want you to be a part of that prayer meeting next Wednesday night, 6.30 here at the church. And then finally, our worship service next Sunday in our quarterly meeting. That kind of gives you a, an overview of the week that is coming. And then Thursday evening, sorry, I almost forgot that. Thursday evening, ladies... 6.30 here at the church is the first Ladies Connect of 2023. I know you want to be a part of that, so plan on being here 6.30 at the church for Ladies Connect. And I'd like us to read from Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning before our 
our deacons come and we receive our offering. Deuteronomy chapter 6 in in Jewish tradition, in the Hebrew culture, this um, is simply known as the Shema. As we begin there reading, we'll read verse 4 in a minute, just meaning here. But I want us to read these words together, reflect on them before our men come and we receive our offering. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 begins this way. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless, frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Gentlemen, will you come? Let's receive our offering today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are thankful to be gathered here this morning as your body. And Lord, we know that everything that we have, all that we are, comes from your hand. And right now we want to give back a portion of what you've blessed us with, Lord. And we pray that it would be used to glorify your name, extend your kingdom. As we give you thanks.
Would you stand and sing with us this morning? Everybody has trials and temptations. Everybody knows heartbreak and isolation. But we can lay our burdens down. Lay our burdens down. What a friend we have in Jesus. East and west, my sins are gone. Everybody has fear. Everybody's got worry. Everybody knows sorrow and devastation.
have your Bible, you can turn over to Colossians chapter 1, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and we'll start there in just a few minutes, but just as a community public service announcement, just wanted to uh, ask you folks, is anybody, anybody here, were y'all around in 1938? There's a few of you, and y'all were young at the time. But in 1938, that was the last time that um, Texas Christian University was declared national champions in football after another championship um, in 1935. And so tomorrow night, um, I don't know where your loyalties lie in the state of Texas as far as football goes, but all I know is if we can beat somebody from another state, I don't really care who's playing them. And so, um, you know, and especially those Georgia Bulldogs. Um, so if you are... A TCU fan, you can cheer for your Horn Frogs. If you're a Texas fan, cheer for them. But it is exciting to see how our community is ignited by something as simple as 22 guys fighting over a brown piece of leather um, that started probably in a field one day and now has grown into a probably billion, multi-billion-dollar industry and is literally around the world and kind of makes you wonder, makes you think what would happen if just on any particular Sunday morning, just half of the people that showed up for a church service in the communities around us were as passionate um, about their Lord and about their church as some of those folks are. Could you imagine, you know, Dan and David pull up in the morning to open the doors and there's some church members out there tailgating um, because they're excited about the service, you know, breakfast is going, um, you know. Faces are painted, people are filled with excitement, and as soon as the doors open, you know, people are rushing in, um, you know, and there's nothing but joyful shouts and praises. Um, Maybe we don't have to go that far, but if you were here last week, you know that we started the year looking at the passage in Ephesians that tells us that um, to wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, that Christ may shine on you, and that there is a wake-up call that God is, is bringing to His church and to His people around the world that... The days are dark, the time is short, and we have to wake up and pay attention to what's going on around us to live up to our responsibility and our calling as believers in the culture that we're in, trusting that God's Word is still true, our Savior still reigns, and the promise that Jesus made about His church is eternally true, that He would establish His church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And so on this Sunday morning, the 8th, of January 2023, we are gathered as the church that gathers at Cross Timber on this Sunday morning to glorify His name, to lift up our Savior, and to study His Word together. And if that's not something to get excited about, then I don't know what is. But let me just ask you a question in just a second. I would, I would I want you to think about this, and I'll give you a minute to think about it. What would you say is first in your life today? What's first in your life? Some people would immediately say, well, my family. Oh, it's my family. It's my wife. It's my kids. Other people would say, you know, it's my job. You know, my my job, it's my identity. It's where I get my my income. I don't know what I would do without it, my career. Some would say it's my health. You know, I've got to make sure I watch what I eat, have my protein shake, do all my exercise. 
and, and keep my physical appearance looking good. Some people would say it's their, their finances, that it's, it's pouring over their, their balance sheet, their retirement statement. It's trying to increase income, gain prestige. But as you pause for a second, what comes to your mind? And the reason I ask that is because what we put first matters. It guides our, our path. It helps us to make our decisions, and it really affects everything about us. And whatever that thing that comes into your mind as first is probably your top priority. It's the thing your mind just keeps focusing on over and over again. It's the thing that your emotions most quickly respond to. It's the thing that your calendar bends toward and that your finances flow to. What you put first, in a sense, controls you. That's why that question is so important. That the course of our life from beginning to end is shaped by what we put first. The way our family is structured, the way things happen is affected by what we put first. And when we put the right thing in the right place, everything just comes together. And that thing is Jesus, putting Jesus in the right place. And so this morning, I want us to look at this idea that putting Christ first is the top priority for you, for your family, and for your church. This is connected to what we believe our, our mission here is at Cross Timber, and that's to, to partner with God, to be involved in His work as He works to rebuild families, looking at the brokenness all around us, that God wants to rebuild families one person at a time as they respond to the truth of the gospel, one home at a time as they're, they're changed person by person, broken families changed into families where Christ is first. And I want us to read this morning from the first class, first chapter of Colossians, where Paul sets forth the idea for us and for all of Christianity that Jesus is to be above everything because he is above all things. We'll begin reading in verse 15 and we'll go down to just verse 20 and then we'll stop and pray and then we'll look at God's word together. Look at what Paul writes. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent or have first place. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Praise be to God for this wonderful word. Lord, we are thankful that we gather together today in the name of Jesus to lift up your name, to listen to your truth, to hear your voice and to respond with our hearts. 
So, Lord, speak to us. Help us to understand your word. And thank you for the help of your spirit that guides us along the way. And as we look at it, Lord, we pray that you would transform us and change us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're going to look at the idea of putting Christ first, how that affects one person at a time, transforming them, and how that one person who is in a family can change a family, and one family can be a light to a neighborhood. And that Christ first, families gather together in places can form Christ first churches that can be a part of God's work to transform a community. And so if you have a, a bulletin, I, I encourage you to turn to that middle section, and I'm going to help you hopefully even be more encouraged, because I'm just going to tell you to, if you just look there, it has one, two, three, and four, and right there below number two, you can take your pen, and you can draw just a line across there. Just draw right across there and divide that up, because we're going to stop right there. So you're only going to get part one today. And so one and two today, and we'll look at the rest tomorrow, but the notes are there. First of all, we'll look at how Christ is to be first in you, and then how Christ is to be first in your family. How that making Jesus your top priority makes all the difference in your life. So let's look in. There's some blanks for you to fill in as we look at this together. The first thing is just Christ first in you. That Jesus Christ is worthy. He deserves first place in, in everything. It's essentially the argument that Paul makes in Colossians 1. And I want to focus on that phrase in verse 18, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now, if you have some of the other translations, New American Standard, I think, has it this way. The Christian Standard Bible has it this way. It has that he himself will come to have first place in everything. That Jesus would be in the first position in everything. Why? Because he was present before anything was created. He was there and involved in creation. And he holds all of creation together. But he's also the one who, Scripture says, is the only begotten Son of God. He's the Son of God. He's the one who God set forth as the head of the church. So it's not just a Baptist church, a Methodist church, a Catholic church. There are only Jesus churches that meet. He's the first one raised from the dead, that God raised him from the dead, that is assurance that one day we'll be raised with him. And all those combined together just remind us of that truth that God intended Christ to be number one in everything. So he's given that position of being in first place. And the first step that you and I take in giving him first place, actually yielding to the place he's already in in our lives, is to trust in Christ. The Bible is very clear in the truth it presents that Jesus is the only Son of God. It tells us he's the promised Messiah. He's the one and only Savior who died for our sins, was raised from the dead, he rules and he reigns over all things, and he's returning one day to make everything new. The Bible's very clear about who Jesus is and the need we have to place our trust in him. 
So what must a man or a woman do to be saved and to gain the gift of eternal life, to be saved from their sin? Well, there's a turning from sin, repentance. There's a reception, receiving God's free gift. Or as Acts 16.31 says, just simply believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. A lot of people say, can it really be that simple? Well, it can, and it is, but that step of faith is God's background work coming to the surface. It's His work of grace drawing us toward Him. It's His gift of faith that He gives to us. It's His understanding of what it means to respond to grace. It's His empowering that brings us to the point of belief. And then when we simply say, I believe, in the Lord Jesus, that we are saved. And when someone does that, we call that having a personal relationship with, with Jesus, where at that moment, Christ dwells in your heart. It's more than being close to Jesus. It's being one with Jesus. That's why Paul uses the phrase over and over again, in Christ. And at that point of decision, our life is only the life of Christ in us. That's why Paul said, you know, it's not no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. So when we make that choice, the life that we have is the life of the resurrected Christ. And because of that, we are bound to a daily dependence on Jesus. We're eternally connected to Him. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And we're vitally connected to Him. It's like you know, imagine if we were to travel out into to outer space and you're in the spaceship and you're going to be the one that goes outside the spaceship and they, they have that, you know, line that connects you to the oxygen supply and keeps the pressure just right so, you know, you don't die immediately. That at any point when that connection would be cut, life would be extinguished. And we're vitally connected to Christ, but we're eternally connected to Him. That if we're His, we're always His, and nothing could ever break that bond. But that bond that is there, Christ in us, is daily. It's a life that we live step by step along the way. And so it begins with trusting, but it continues into abiding in Christ. If you think about John chapter 15, and there's that image of the vine and the branches. And if you were to take a set of clippers and, or a pair of scissors and cut a branch off from a vine, it won't survive very long. It may stay green for a little while. Then the leaves begin to wilt. And then they wither. And then they dry up. And then they shrivel. And they fall off. In the same way, if we weren't vitally connected to Christ, we would wither and die. It's a reminder that we need to stay close to Jesus in our relationship, that it requires our attention, that we maintain that connection that provides communication two ways through the gift of prayer, and we receive what we need, our spiritual nourishment each day. That's why Jesus in John 15 said, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me 
you can do nothing. So it's vital for life and it's vital for fruitfulness. And it requires spending time with Jesus daily. You and Jesus in an open Bible or your phone or your iPad, wherever you access God's Word, where you spend time reading and you listen for His voice, spend time praising His name for who He is, giving thanks for all He's done for you. And as you hear His voice, you follow His leadership, the things that He says you should do and the things you shouldn't. And then you enjoy the time, the fellowship with Him. That it's just okay to be with Jesus. There's nothing better. And the closer that connection, that relationship comes over time, the, the more easily we begin to hear His voice and follow his lead. I always like when I'm on, on, on a tour, you know, and you go on a tour and there's a tour guide, um, you know, you don't want to be, be a jerk or a bully, but it's always good to be up toward the front because if you get too far to the back, you can't really hear what the tour guide is saying. Now, there are advantages to be in the back, but we're not going to talk about that because you can kind of sometimes lag behind and and poke around and see stuff, but you know you want to be up close to the front because you want to hear where you want to know where you're going and you want to hear the directions. It's, it's very similar in in faith. We want to be close to Jesus to get out of the way of the crowd and get close to Jesus because we need to hear His voice and we need to follow in His direction. And over time, as you get closer to Jesus, you enjoy the time you spend with Him and you spend time praising Him for who He is. And that relationship begins to grow deeper as you grow in your faith. And so you have that believing, you have abiding, and then you have growing in Christ. If you put Jesus first, these things are going to happen. That there should be continual progress in your spiritual um, development. That your relationships should grow with Jesus over time. Why? Because living things are meant to grow, meant to thrive. on the property that we own we have some post oak trees that are you know there's no way you could put your arms around them they're easily 100 years old and looking at those and marveling at the fact that every one of those at one time started as an acorn carried around by squirrels eaten by birds rolling around under your feet crushed on sidewalk acorns that they fall in the right place at the right time and they sprout and they become a seedling and they don't get cut down, they don't get mowed over and then year after year after year the roots grow a little bit deeper the trunk gets a little bit wider and the branches spread out more and they endure the wind and the rain the drought growing taller and growing Stronger, and they provide shade and shelter for animals and for humans alike. It's one of the wonders and beauty of beauties of creation is just trees. The enormous, wonderful trees. But if you think about a man or a woman that's connected to Jesus, they begin not like an acorn, but the Bible says babes in Christ, spiritual infants that need nourishment to feed on God's word, that need the truth of Jesus consistently taught, 
heard applied to their lives. They need the influence and the example of others that disciple them along the way. And beginning as spiritual toddlers, they learn to walk by faith through the challenges and the difficulties of life. To the hope one day that they become what the scriptures describe as oaks of righteousness. And I wonder sometimes if we just dismiss that truth in our lives and think, well, gosh, I could never be an oak of righteousness. No, I'm just a willow of of weakness. I'm just not going to be anything. And we take our eyes off of our Savior, we put our eyes on ourselves, and we realize that when we get things in the right place and we put Jesus first, that He causes us to be things that we are not in our flesh through His power at work in us. And that growth over time is to be more like Jesus, our Savior. Ephesians 4.13 tells us that that measurement, the standard, is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Everything Jesus is, that's that's what we're growing toward, to be like Jesus. And it's a reminder that there's a day-to-day commitment involved, and there's also the understanding that there's always room for growth. You don't graduate. You don't complete the task this side of heaven. And so this believing, abiding, growing Christian, the one who says, I will put Christ first, can have an enormous impact in a workplace, in a school, or even in a, in a church, but most especially in families. Think about that Moabite widow in a foreign land called Ruth. She found favor with God, met Boaz, her kinsman redeemer, with immediately my faith woven into God's family and was part of the, the lineage of King David. Think about the woman Jesus met that was on a consecutive streak of broken relationships. Jesus met her at noon at the well and offered her living water. She went back to her village proclaiming, come and see a man. How about a professional soldier, Roman centurion named Cornelius? who heard the assurance that you will be saved, you and your whole house. Or a scared-to-death prison worker, fearing for his life, afraid his prisoners had escaped. What must I do to be saved? And the Scriptures say, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he believed in God find other stories, but one person in a family can have incredible difference. And your family needs you to put Christ first. That your light would shine for Jesus in your house. 
And no matter the circumstances, don't settle for less than the whole house. Because that's God's work. He wants to to bring the entire house or the whole house to faith. And so Christ first in you, but also Christ first in your home. The second point there. You know, our mission, partner with God in His work to rebuild families. Seeing broken homes all around us. Broken in many different ways, in many different neighborhoods. Homes that may look good on the outside, but just behind the walls are filled with brokenness. Homes that look broken on the outside, but inside there are glimmers of hope as there are believers fighting the good fight and living for Christ, just waiting for the spark to ignite in another doing that work in neighborhoods in in cities one home at a time and he wants to start with us what does that look like well i think you can make a list of many different things but i just i chose a few just to kind of paint a brief picture of what it looks like to be a home where christ is first And, and the first thing i listed is that jesus is present and prioritized now here we're talking about more than having a Bible on the table or maybe some Bibles on the shelf or some of those pretty scripture verse boards on the wall, kind of like the ones we have here on the side. Talking about a home where the name of Jesus is known, it's talked about, it's exalted above all others, and it's praised. What could that look like? Well, it's a home where the man of the house knows that Jesus is the head of the house. It's a home where everyone in the house looks to Jesus when a decision needs to be made. It's a home where the calendar on the wall prioritizes Jesus over our activities, recreation, work, sports. It's a home that when trouble comes, they find refuge and hope in Jesus. And whether it's good or bad, they praise the name of It's a home where the whole house seeks to please Jesus above all else, taking those words of Joshua, the leader of God's people, to be true, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Jesus is present and prioritized. Second, it's not perfect, but growing. Any Christian family... Any Christ-first family is far from perfect. Now, I don't want to burst any bubbles this morning, but there are no perfect families. You may look and think, wow, if we could just be just like that family or that family. Well, there's no perfect family because every family is full of sinners. That's from the toddlers to the grandparents and everywhere in between full of sinners. And those that put Christ first are sinners that are saved by grace. That have put their faith and hope and trust in in Jesus. Christ first homes are just real people that have real problems. Some people think mistakenly that when they they turn to Christ that all the problems are just going to go away and everything is going to be great and wonderful. And many times they're awakened to the fact that it seems the problems come more often 
and with much more force. Those that lean in and trust in Jesus find that there is a Savior that is a help and a refuge in times of trouble that's a comfort in the storm. And so those families that when troubles come that put Christ first know where to go in times of trouble and they're not willing to give up when things get tough. Oh, but they're quick to recognize that it's not by their own effort. No, it's all about Jesus and because of his grace. They're not perfect. They probably don't get everything right. They might get some things right, but by and large, they just keep seeking and running and chasing after Jesus. And they have a determination to be closer to him than they were the day before. 2 Peter 3.18, we've, we looked at this verse last year, maybe the year before. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Jesus. Grow toward Jesus. Put your hope in Him to grow in His grace and His knowledge, in the knowledge of Him. I think another characteristic that we could see is that they... You know, a Christ first family doesn't isolate themselves from the outside world. Now, many times in churches, we can find ourselves enjoying being around other Christian families. You know, there's that, that bond of the Spirit that, that draws us together, but that can't be the end all of it. You know, a Christ first family would enjoy being with other Christians, but would also choose to be a witness to non-Christian families. That's why it's important in our, in our activities, in our vocation, to, to stand firmly for, for Christ, to show them what a family looks like, what God's plan is. But then they're also willing to befriend families that are, are struggling. It's a family that looks in but also reaches out. committed to love, invest, and pray in any of those circumstances rather than criticize or condemn. Realize that nobody's got it all together and everybody needs help. Third, there's a display of love all around. Saru Singal, who is a poet, said it this way. I don't know if she's a believer or not, but she captured the truth about love. A house filled with love is never and a Christ first family shares God's love because they realize that they've been loved by God first. God's loved them, and they're going to share that love with other people because love is meant to be shared freely. And so love all around is its family members that are not afraid to say, I love you. But beyond that, they're all so willing to show that they love through their actions and their attitudes. And they're committed to say, I love you, I will love you, always, no matter what. It's a beautiful part where love and grace meet together. Colossians 3.14 says, Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so love just flows immediately into the fourth characteristic of a Christ first family, and that's grace given and received. Now, it's 11.51, and 
I, I don't want to rock your boat or, or shake your world up, but if you're here this morning and you don't think you've ever gotten on someone else's nerves, you're kidding yourself. If you believe you've never frustrated your family, you never have as a husband frustrated your spouse, um, you never have as a wife frustrated your husband, children, you think I've been a perfect child and my mom and dad have never been frustrated, and, and parents, you think, gosh, I've been nothing but great to my kids. There's no way they could ever, ever be frustrated with me. Well, you're, you're wrong. We all have our moments. Some of us have more than others, but we all have our moments because spending enough time together with someone, something's going to come up. You're going to bump into each other. You're not going to agree on something. But a Christ-filled home is a grace-filled home. That when those moments come up, when somebody gets on your nerves, when there is a disagreement, when there's a little less than great attitude displayed, the parents extend grace to their children. And, And likewise, children show grace to their parents. Ephesians 4.32 says it this way, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. What does he point out there? Being quick to forgive, not holding grudges. Slow to get angry, and willing to see the best in the other in your family. Years ago, and I say years ago, it was probably in the 2000s, a man named Tim Kimmel wrote a book called Grace-Based Parenting. Um, he's a phenomenal teacher, gives wonderful insight about parenting, and just wanted to share a couple of quotes. Um, and this is one of his main things. He says, I urge parents to raise your children the way God raises his. The primary word that defines how God deals with his children is grace. And I just love that. Raise your children the way God deals with his realizing that God's extended his love, grace, and mercy to you, then you ought to extend that to others. But he goes on, same paragraph, to say this. You realize that Christ didn't die for you because you had good qualities and, and that you were worth saving. He died for you because you had bad qualities that left you without a prayer. And when you begin to understand that, you begin to understand the heart of grace. we were left without a prayer filled with the bad qualities of sin, but God because of his great love sent a savior that we should believe in him and by grace we are saved through faith. So what am I saying in this? Put Christ in your first, in your family because your neighbors need you and your your church needs you and we'll get more into that next week. But as we close just let me remind you that Putting Christ first is the top priority for you, your family, and your church. So what would you say? Let me ask this question again. What would you say is first in your life this morning? Is it Jesus or something else? It's a time to be honest about, you know, where you're at on your spiritual walk today. Because what we put first matters. It directs our path. It guides our decisions. And it affects everything about us good news is, is if you weren't able to say honestly that Jesus is in the first place, today is the day you can make a change. So in these moments where we pray, just let me encourage you, you can talk to him right now. 
confess your selfishness and your pride, your unwillingness to allow Him to lead in your, your family, just confessing the fact that you think you can hold it all together, you can pull it all together, and to take that pressure off you that God never intended and roll it all onto a wonderful Savior. Confess that selfishness, that pride. Receive His forgiveness and peace. Isn't that a wonderful exchange? Selfishness, pride, guilt, and shame. And what do we receive? We receive forgiveness and peace. And then move on and just acknowledge Christ has first place in your life. Say, Jesus, I give you first place. I foolishly thought I could have that place. I've now realized that there's no one else ever intended to be in that place. And I was only kidding myself in the first place to think that I had that place in the beginning. With God's help, just resolve to walk with Him each day. He's good, He's gracious, He loves you, and He wants to help you in this. Because when we put Christ in the right place, everything else falls into place. Scripture tells us we have the mind of Christ, we have the fruit of His Spirit at work in us, and over time, His priorities become yours, and your calendar will begin to show it, your finances will begin to show it, it will affect your family church, will affect your community, affect the world. It all starts with Jesus, putting him first, making him your top priority. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we pause at near the end of our time together to acknowledge the truth that is true, whether we choose to acknowledge it or not, and that is that God the Father has given you first place in all things. That you are not only King of kings and Lord of lords, but you are the very image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. All things in heaven and on earth were created through you and for you. That God sets you to be before all things and to hold all things together. To the head of the church, you're the firstborn from the dead and that you are to have first place in everything. We thank you that you gave your life to reconcile all things, whether on earth or heaven, by making peace through the blood of your cross. What a wonderful Savior you are. What a wonderful Savior that brought us the gift of salvation that we did not deserve, but we're so thankful for by your grace that we can say. And as we hear the challenge to put you first, help us to see the foolishness of not doing it. Help us to see the pride and the deception that get in the way, and help us to yield ourselves in humility to you, that you would be first in our lives, first in our families, for your glory pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you consider this, is you know, Jesus in first place, or would you say something else? Steps are simple that I lined out earlier is, you know, once we recognize it, our responsibility is to admit it, to confess it to God. God, I've been prideful, I've been selfish, I've been foolish. Seek its forgiveness, knowing that you'll receive it. Receive his grace and mercy and peace. 
and then pledge anew. Say, Jesus, I'm putting you in first place today. And help me to do it tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow because it's a daily walk. And so we have to make a daily commitment to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow Jesus, our Savior. So our pledge today would be followed up by a pledge tomorrow and on Tuesday and the next day and the next day as we search after and hope to follow him in his plan. Maybe something else that's burning in your heart that you need prayer for. Maybe you're just coming down to the front and offering just a prayer to the Lord. Maybe it's asking someone to pray with you or maybe it's, you know, just finding somebody next to you and saying, hey, can I pray with you? I'll be a down front as well. Or maybe it's just the day that you say, Jesus, I'm putting you first and foremost for the first time. Whatever it is, I trust that as God speaks to you, we'll listen and respond. Will you join in standing? We'll sing together, listen to God's voice, and respond as you see. you be seated for just a moment before we before we end today i wanted to to take time to to pray specifically for for murray murray and cheryl greenwood are staying in our our mission house as they're on on furlough and murray has surgery in the morning early and um, so i wanted to take opportunity as a church family to pray um, for him and to pray over him so murray and cheryl if you don't mind if you want to come up this way and then if you, as deacons and church family, want to gather around, we're going to just lay hands and, and pray on, pray for our brother.
Father, we thank you that you're Lord of our lives. You were before all, and you will always be over all. We thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. And therefore, because we believe this, we just know that you are Lord, that he faces this surgery tomorrow. We pray for him, Lord, that your peace would just be so great that he would be joyful even in this time. And Lord, that you would be with the physicians and the medical people that care for him, each one of them, that they would do their best. And uh, under your leadership and guidance to alleviate this problem and to fix it. And Lord, we just thank you that uh, we can thank you right now for what you're doing because you've already promised that you will do it and we believe that. And we thank you. And I thank you for his life and what he means to people around the world. And I pray you continue to bless and encourage and strengthen him. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. you're an early riser in the morning, if you're one of those 5.30 up and Adam people, you can remember Murray in your prayers in the morning, and I'm sure if you even wake up a little bit later, um, there's still um, time to pray. So we do just trust God to do what he can do. I want to thank y'all for, for being here this morning. Um, it's been a good day to worship. Um, it's been a good Sunday morning together. I want to just invite y'all to stand. Um, we're going to sing together. And when we start to sing, just know you're, you're dismissed. The Lord bless you. What a friend we have in Jesus.